Namaste. One thing we all can see that since the last 50 years, the whole world and society is witnessing a massive change. Now, while we may discuss and try to understand the causes of the change, let me start with a little bit of preamble that when man wants to change the society, when he wants to change the world around him, he tries to change systems, governments, machinery, etc. And when God wants to change the world, he changes the children. When man wants to progress, he has advancements of technology. That's his idea of progress. Whereas when God wants man to progress, he plants within him a new aspiration. An aspiration which we see planted today in the heart of earth. When man imagines a peaceful life, post-retirement peaceful life, if at all there is any such thing, he imagines that he can amass wealth, he will have a good bank balance, he will have health at the doorsteps and he will lead a peaceful life. And when God decides that we should have a peaceful life, he gives us inner peace and happiness. So we don't need to any of these things. And when man wants, you know, when man writes nowadays, we have this system of writing biodata and we speak about SWOT analysis. So when man writes about his SWOT analysis, strengths and weaknesses, he writes about his assets, capabilities and weaknesses, etc. And when God looks into man to see his strengths and weaknesses, he only looks at two coordinates, soul and nature. And if God were to write the analysis, he would simply say he has found his soul or he has not found his soul. As simple as that. And if he has not found his soul, does he have faith that there is something beyond the limits of man towards which man must climb? And Or he doesn't have such a faith. He is still lingering in the usual round and the endless cycle of uh, life, which Shobindo so beautifully puts in Savitri. Oh, force compelled, fate driven, earth born race, O oh, petty adventurers in an infinite world, how long shall you tread the circling tracks of mind around your little self and petty things? But not for a changeless littleness where you meant, not for vain repetition where you built. So basically, this has been always a thought in, uh, in, within the human frame that are we meant to live within this frame in which we are born or is there something beyond the human formula of life? And we see these two lines of humanity, one which are satisfied within the frame, they like to do what is best possible within the frame, and there are others who like to transcend the human formula and seek the beyond, the mystics. Now, those who like to transcend the human formula basically are, one may say that man is actually meant for that. Even within the human formula, we are constantly trying to improve. And all education is about that. If you look at education, in a certain sense, education is an acceptance of the fact that human beings are not finished. Our nature as it is constituted by birth is not the last word of our existence. And there is a lot more we can change and improve and grow and progress. And uh, only we may differ along the lines of progress, along the systems of education, etc. But that man can change. Education is an acceptance of a hidden, deep, hidden truth about our us human beings that we are meant for conscious evolution. We don't use this word, but all education is an empowerment. It should be an empowerment. It is meant to help us grow. 
And where does the, all this begin? Now, we see when Khalil Gibran, the Lebanese mystic, much misunderstood in his own time, was too much into the future when he said, your children are not your children, you see. It can be very threatening to the parents. Your children are not your children. You are the bow from whom time is shooting its arrow. And the archer wants to bend the bow at the right angle. So that they are, what, where are these arrows going? They are going into the future. He probably foresaw more than, probably even more than what he himself understood. And in the beginning of the previous century, we see Mother and Shurbindo, both around 1910 when Shurbindo was asked about some future prediction, because by then he was already recognized as a great yogi. He spoke about that there are going to be many upheavals, many revolutions, many turmoils, uh, a massive change that the world is going to undergo in which India is going to play a crucial part. And uh, this is what he foresaw. And the mother... Uh, we know a little bit about her. She was, uh, you know, born in France, in Paris and grew up there. But a profound mystic, a yogi by her own right. She uh, spoke in 1912 that there would be, uh, or rather 1914 or 15, she spoke about the coming of new children, about a new race which nature is preparing. And she saw the upheavals of nature. If you really look at the previous century and the one which went be before, we can literally say that the 19th century and the 20th early part was certainly a century of upheavals. We can literally say it was a century of revolution. World over as if people were preparing for something. There was restlessness, all the established formulas of life. And at the same time a seeking, for instance, the French Revolution with its seeking for freedom, fraternity and unity. And the, you know, freedom from, massive freedom from imperialism, thought forms, uh, in science, everywhere. There was an urge that there is something to be born. And the mother saw in this uh, restless urge almost that nature is trying to prepare for a new kind of birth. And that we see, we can almost divide the previous century into two clear-cut uh, halves. Uh, first is, first 50, 55, maybe till the Cuban crisis, 57, 59. We can say that this was a century, first half was a very difficult uh, half. I mean, it was literally earth undergoing a labor pains. If you look at it from the larger perspective, shuffling its coil, wanting some new birth, two great goriest wars, the Spanish flu. And, uh, you know, in India itself, there was this revolutionary upheaval, uh, plenty of deaths and uh, famine and whatnot. So it was like the labor pains of the earth. And in the process, what happened? There were massive infrarational forces, vital forces, stooping upon earth, forces beyond human control, unimaginable uh, you know, tremors that the earth was facing. But in the bargain, what happened? The intra-rational forces completely destroy man's idea of a neat rational world. If you look at it, you know, we use uh, the word age of enlightenment for the rational age, which was ushered in by Europe and other, you know, which was followed up. So it was like we imagined that there would be a very nice reason can create a just perfect machine. It can create a society which is wonderful and everything. And well, to an extent, it tried whatever it could. But suddenly the onslaught of these forces broke away that neat symmetrical world. 
and it happened everywhere in the field of science itself reason broke its fixed paradigms that you know there is a very neat symmetrical world right in the underbelly of atom they were teeming with particles about whom one didn't know what they are doing and how they have come into existence and uh, what is their law it was a very different world altogether and the entire society built upon industry science rational thought things should be the way they should be completely broke and we know how after that postmodern thought came into existence which further started deconstructing everything it was like the last ramparts of the good old world were being pulled down and it must have been very disconcerting even now many parents still wonder you know what has happened to the world we in our time our time but in our time so called our time in the first half of the previous century it's not that they were only good thing they were horrible things and when there is a massive destruction in india we use the word dance of kali dance of shiva then it's not only the tandava it's not only the bad things which are destroyed even the good must go because good and bad are two sides of worse and reverse side of one reality a new good must come up and both have fed the soil of human nature and this we start seeing from the 1960s a new kind of children and these children are very unique certain ways for instance the number of child prodigies it's well known um, which have come up Uh, more and more a lot of scientific studies there have been even uh, attempts to classify these children into coming from this dimension that dimension indigo children then they grew up a little more became star eyed children then crystal children and rainbow children so i'm not going into those this is a question of semantics and how people are studying it's good at least people are recognizing that there is a new kind of if i may say so subspecies wearing the human form it's very difficult these children are not understood by parents and the children don't understand their parents uh, they when they look at uh, the adult world they almost feel that these are uh, very uh, narrow rigid uh, almost you know <laughs> brutal people <laughs> how they hate and how they scold they can't understand this at the same time parents can't understand that why these children don't follow any norms because the whole world has gone collapsed they are literally like what humanity must have been a million years back or whatever date we want to fix for the advent of uh, humanity uh, moving in jungles not knowing why they are there where they have to go they are like a new species they look a little bit like the chimpanzee and the gorilla and they try to find resemblances but they are a new being probably they may have been regarded as mad in a world which was inhabited by the big chimps and yet man was different he carried within himself a fire that would not only light up his food and his home but a fire which will lead to a journey beyond uh, his little planet and a fire which will break free from the boundaries of uh, you know heaven and earth and discover new truths new ideas creative impulses so this is what was man must have been during that time much misunderstood he himself wouldn't have understood himself and i think these children are like that much in their position they have no reference point if they look at the old world they cannot understand the old world cannot understand that them either and you know there was an article sometime back the me mine generation i think it was a little harsh on children though it ends very uh, you know positively but the me mine generation literally means at another level that they are explorer they don't know who they are they cannot compare them with their parents because they are so different their thinking is so different the 
generation which uh, i am not talking of today because now a lot of new age children are becoming parents have become parents but there was a time when there was such a big generational shift and a generation gap that the parents um, just didn't understand because the thought was confined to you know uh, a little space within which they lived and a little bit maximum you know traditions certain customs certain culture now they have broken free at the most when parents felt about you know something higher they couldn't pin at anything beyond religion so the swing was between a religious thought and a secular thought the so called rationalistic thought whereas these children have broken both now where are they headed to a deep spiritual impulse so as i said like in the old world there was this rules of right and wrong that's the moral world these rules could have been religious or they were rules uh, you know discovered by some people culture tradition whatever it was there were things to be done and there were things not to be done it was that's how moral science used to be there were blacks and whites no gray shades now these children are discovering the gray shades and they are coming up with unique solutions and these challenges are coming in new ways euthanasia a lot of people ask is it good or bad now you know there are many live in relationship is it good or is it bad having a degree is it good or is it bad new innovative ways of thinking is it good or is it bad so there are children who are like barrier breakers who are trying to figure out what really is good and they are discovering a new ethical intuitive ethical sense the sense of the beautiful the sense of the true the sense of the right not based on any book teaching but based on something which is awakening within themselves and third thing which we notice along with that the first being child prodigies that they are sometimes they appear like very reckless careless children as if they are born with a carefree laughter only gods are supposed to be so reckless and careless with their laughter human beings are carrying a burden burden that you know they have to earn a living they have to do they be established ambition this that they don't seem to be bothered about it ask them what do you want to do with your life and they are cool that's the word cool is the new thing because they somehow carry a faith instinct in their life that life will find a way for them you see this faith in life is a wonderful thing mind has gone but a new faith is emerging as again khalil gibran so beautifully says that they are life's longing for itself your children are not your children they are life's longing for itself life is longing for something beautiful true divine which we don't understand but life has its ways so these children when you talk to them about what do you want to do with life they'll say we are trying to figure out many of them for quite some time they don't even know what they are trying to figure out we'll see now this we will see is pregnant with possibilities much better than a child of 5 saying i want to be an you know uh, or at 10 fully conditioned i want to be you know a doctor or an engineer standard formats means they are open to when they say we will see it means they are open to things of dimensions possibilities which we cannot envisage i mean recently i heard again a, you know a little child talking about uh, who is your superhero and the child says god now this is god how is god your superhero and what will you do if god comes to you i'll hug god and say thank you now this is child of 9 this cannot be a normal i mean i imagine um, in my own childhood just on a very personal note somebody asked me what do you want to do uh in your life and i said i want to be a poet write poetry now this was shocking both to the 
people who ask the question and to uh, my parents also. But even as a child, this is, uh, you know, when I was going for a, uh, 11th uh, standard education. But as a child, 6 year old, somebody asked, what do you want to do in life? I said, Deva Sur Sangram, I want to fight for the gods. What kind of crazy aspiration is this? But these children are coming up with such things. They want to be as God. They don't want to just go to temple and worship God. They are not happy with that. They are not happy with frameworks of thought. So they are the massive barrier breakers. They don't accept the fixed scroll of destiny that, you know, it was karma, so we have to go through it. They challenge karma. They want to change it. So these are definitely very different kind of children. And they need a special kind of education because they are not the old format. So what we are trying to do is trying to apply the old format on a new Software has changed. This doesn't, it won't apply. So we have to now apply a new format. So in the new format of education, where does education begin? We have an idea of education that in the school. So we talk about stakeholders, typical mental world. So who are the stakeholders in education? You have the teachers, education, you have the parents. Sometimes people also mention society. So these are three different grids. But in today's world, no, education is universal. Everybody takes responsibility. The parents, the educators, but society also. If society doesn't assume the role of being an educator. You see, this was the idea of Gurukul. Gurukul is not about a system, people are wearing dhoti and putting tikka and you know, reciting mantras. That's not Gurukul. Gurukul literally means the uh, lineage of the great master. It was a family, it was like an ashram where children picked up things and that's something directly we uh, have in the ashram school. People often ask, okay, what is the system in the ashram school? So I often say there is no system. Why do you want a system? Well, still tell us something. Say, well, when mother was pressed to say that, tell us about some system because mine, she said free progress. So what is free progress about? She says education governed by the soul. That was the end of the story because nobody knew what to ask after that. So <laughs> where is the soul to be found? <laughs> what is to be done? But the beauty is about the ashram school, which I keep telling people is that they are growing up in an environment which is uh, right next to the, you know, Samadhi of Mother and Shirobindo, the atmosphere, the people who are uh, in, supposed to be in the practice of yoga. So, and in a very cosmopolitan way. So it's a recognition of the fact which now world over is coming up that society is part of the education. It is like we can't suddenly pick up some people and isolate them and say, oh, you are evil, a bad guy, you must be in prison. Who created this evil? What, what I was carrying within me, it's a spillover. It was in my fantasies, the other person has played out the fantasy. I would feel happy thinking about these things, dreaming about horrible things in my so-called, uh, you know, when nobody is watching me except God, which we have, you know, Packed with his hat, packed with his bag. Now he has entered through every door. Whereas, on the other hand, when a person does the same thing, we say, oh, he's a horrible guy and he's a bad guy. Because we society, as a society, have a role to play. So in other words, now this idea of education in school is going to go away. And I think one of the good offshoots of this, uh, you know, every cloud has a silver lining or a golden lining. So uh, this, one of the fallouts of all this has been this kind of digital technology which has come up, education which is moving beyond the classroom and people can connect in different ways. It is a recognition that education is not just a classroom phenomena. It goes beyond the classroom. Everything is an education. And the day should come when I 
uh, imagine that you know uh, children will just grow up organically and they will come to they would be teachers but who are these teachers not people who have done ba ma and all these degrees but people who are who are wise and when child comes and they talk to a child as to what did you eat today now i'll give an example how education can be very interesting and engaging with these children and they are so so profound we are actually missing out on their profundity so i remember an interaction with some children and uh, Uh, one of the teachers from the ashram dr maheshwari so beautifully he asked the children that okay tell me what did you have for breakfast today so one of the child raised the hand and said idli oh so where did the idli come from well my mom made it oh your mom made it or uh, i mean made it it came from your mom yes from your mom or somewhere else then the child thinks and says well the uh, material for the idli came from the market from the market or somewhere else so from the field so working backwards suddenly one of the child had an aha phenomena and the child said you know actually that when we have a grain of rice you know the sun the water the earth the wind everything is there it has made that grain of rice from which the idli has come so when we eat idli we are connecting with the whole universe this was like an aha insight and he was deliberately leading children to a point where on their own they came this capacity for insight rather than mere information that well this is is when we have too many answers we miss out on questions this is what has happened too many books too much information they don't have questions which is very dangerous because you know whereas the real education is to start from the near observation but lead them to a point where there is questions about life they are not ideal child is who is not satisfied with all the answers that he has received from the books so this was one beautiful example of oneness which a child understood which people who talk about oneness in spiritual uh, uh, satsang they don't understand there was another example of how children understand the sense of unity which i myself experienced in a small village in odisha where there was a school and children in 8th or 9th standard and i asked them uh, one of the child asked me uh, sir which language does god god understand i said well you tell me you should know do you pray to god yes so you should know which language god understands so one of the child said odia i said how do you know odia he said because whenever i prayed in odia then uh, i always receive an answer from mother so i asked that what about other children who pray in tamil and who pray in hindi and sanskrit and english said yes they also get answers so what language does god understand now one of the child comes up very beautifully sir he understands the heart so i said so beautiful all languages are mental construct to communicate what we feel deep within and if a language cannot communicate it it's not worth pursuing it i mean we must refine it to an extent where a language becomes so precise and beautiful to express what we feel within the heart this is the uniqueness of sanskrit it's not about how many alphabets and all that but it is a language so precisely tuned and refined even french for that matter that it can convey subtleties of uh, feeling subtleties of you know inner states which uh, which is unique because language is meant for that but where does language originate it originates in the heart if the heart is clear if the heart is full of love speak to anybody in any language or no language and yet there will be some kind of a rapport and an understanding uh, somebody has so beautifully said where is the wisdom lost in words and information so this is what these children spontaneously understand so what is meant when it is said that you know they have to be educated in a new way well let us be let us begin from the beginning we feel that education will start in a classroom when the child is 
now it is it's 3 when it started in 3 2 so obviously some because in 2 they are preparing for pre nursery or whatever so some, some people were feeling very disconcerted i said yeah for the time being it is but they are moving in the right direction oh what do you mean moving in the right direction i said one day they will realize it starts from conception because all education starts from conception what is conception literally it, it's a you know without the pun intended uh, or maybe intended parents conceive a child what the child will be and that is something very beautiful automatically happening now in the olden time children were conceived for the following reasons one particularly if you have more boys well more strength for the family because daughters are going to go away that's why people were asking for boys not because of any hatred of women but simply because daughters boys will stay most of the society was you know f- uh, farmers and all this so boys are strength because they'll go and work in the fields so this was the whole idea or they just kept having children more the merrier god knows why and <laughs> third i mean it's a very primitive way of looking at life uh, but it was literally like you know the strength one finds in numbers uh, you see if you look at these species the lower species they produce so many children why because threat of extinction but the higher mammals even lions and all they don't produce many children they are like sure of themselves <laughs> strength is not in numbers but in quality so now we see a new trend which is coming up which is very good last maybe few decades it's coming up people plan a child and i think it's a wonderful thing to plan a child education starts from there and this planning is not just about uh, you know outer number of money how much money i have am i i mean can i really bring up a child with this much of money do i improve my income that's how it starts all good things may have a bad start doesn't matter but now the planning is not just that many parents i know who are you know newly married they let us see let's first settle down within between us children are not meant to you know help parents settle down in their uh, turbulent relationship nor are they meant to be like old age uh, stick that's how people had children that when we are old they will uh, you know be our sahara help to us they they are very silly ideas of children now parents want to plan children conscious child and i think conscious parenting is a new thought which is coming up and this is something to be capitalized upon so conscious parenting is not just about whether i am equipped from financial point of view whether my relationship is stable but about why do i want to have a child and this should be there at the back of mind of everybody why do i want to have a child is it just because of these outer reasons is it because the child will Uh, fulfill my secret ambitions he will get the money which i don't have he will become what i have not become no the child will come into the world with his own destiny we are trustees and he brings life's longing with itself and that was the indian conception of gurukul and you know gotra gotra was that a rishi has started a work and the entire lineage must fulfill that work so it's not about me it's not about my family it's something which nature is longing to create a type a new type i mean some of these examples of conscious parenting is i give this example of shiva ji you know how his mother she didn't bring the child for her own this thing or even to create an empire but she saw certain things in her environment and she wished her child to be a hero who can you know overthrow an a whole empire now this is a kind of one example of conscious parenting there are many examples so today when we bring a child what what is behind us is there an idealism are we driven by idealism or selfishness 
If it is out of selfishness, then we are back to the old days. But if you are driven by a greater ideal, it could be a limited ideal. Maybe my child will grow up and serve the nation. Wonderful. Maybe my child will grow up and embody some of the beautiful divine qualities. Maybe my child will come up with making make this world a more beautiful place. So that when he comes, passes through it and departs. People say that, well, he came. Now, you know, we had the old time philosophy that everybody comes crying and when... Now, this is a very pessimistic attitude. The attitude should be, whatever way we come into this world, when we go, we leave this world a little better, a little fairer. Now, when parents come up with a conscious conception, wherein they are going beyond the frame of their family, it is also declaring itself in the new trend. What is trend? No surname is the cool thing. And, uh, you know, they don't want surname. My own son, when I... Uh, made him free of surname. Then when he grew up, I asked him, do you want the surname? He said, no, no, I am cool about it. I like it this way. <laughs> so sometimes people wonder, whether is, is he really your child? So I said, why? <laughs> what are the doubts? He looks just like me. Well, he doesn't carry your surname. I said, that's why he's my child because I don't believe in it. So, so <laughs> you know, this is how these children are going to come up. They live in large spaces of time. That's why they want space. It's not that they don't want to belong to family. They belong, but they are already beyond the family. Today's children won't respect because you are grown up in age. They will respect when they feel that you are authentic. And we must teach them that courage. That yes, they should have the courage. I mean, I remember the ancient Indian story which I keep recounting. In that story, we have the essence of true education. So one is when uh, the young uh, Satyakam, he has to go and uh, he wants to have the highest kind of knowledge, which in ancient times were known as Brahmagyana. So Brahmagyana was taught by one of the rishis and he goes there to learn, have Brahmagyana and the rishi tells him that, well, I want to know your lineage. And the child goes back and asks his mom, mom, tell me, who is my dad? I haven't seen him since childhood. And she says, you know what, I have worked as a maid in many houses. I can't say who is your dad, but this for sure that I am your mom. And she goes and tells the great sage, that you know, that's what my mother has said. The great says, sage, you are fit for Brahmagyana because you and your mother had the courage of speaking truth. The mother says in one of her writings that never scold children. Try to explain to them. And if you cannot explain, they cannot understand by explanation, change the false vibration into the true one. But she says for that, you must yourself live in truth. And then she ends up by saying, just a drop of truth. A drop of truth in their life. We have taught them all kinds of lies from what they should be. I mean, we start by uh, making them disconnected from their true self. So in all the education, people once were comparing, you know, like in the ashram school, the mother spoke about the psychic education. It's a different thing that how much one can practice it because... To practice psychic education, you can't do it mentally. One has to realize the soul. So when it comes to teachers, parents, the society, you have to discover your own soul. Otherwise, one cannot bring it. And it's worth the discovery. So this new thing is coming up. But this discovery of the soul is coming in children in a very new way, which you fail to notice. And it is like, I want to be myself. They don't know what this self is. But they know that this is not the self which society gives me. I am born with a surname, with a religion, with a this, that, all kinds of baggage. They don't carry a baggage. They say, I want to be myself. You ask them, what is yourself? Then they found that because they are in the, they are like the barbarians of the new world. Like barbarian humanity was better than the chimp of yesterday. 
So they don't know what is this self. But they've entered into a subjective age. And this is a good sign. Of course, they will have to pass through a perilous passage because the old constructs are gone. It was much easier if a child said that I am my dad, so my, uh, you know, my lineage people put those photographs with all parents, grandparents uh, in their houses. Look, you know, your grandfather was this. Children are not interested in that. They want to be who they are. And this seeking which has come in children, this thing towards discovery is leading them to a new way of life which is called as universal learning. And this is what should be the trend. At least there should be one teacher, if one cannot have many, who is like a wise young man, not a wise old man. I don't know why we associate wisdom with old age. It may be the other way around. Because sometimes, as they say, old age is when the you know um, broad mind and the narrow waist replace their places, exchange places. So, I mean, old is not necessarily wise and young is not necessarily a fool. And it's good to remain a little bit of fool, even in old age, so that you have the chance of opening. A person who, is, uh, who doesn't carry a little shade of foolishness in himself is uh, you know, running the risk of becoming fossilized. So it's good to... <laughs> this tendency to make a little error, which opens you to infinite possibilities. So there is, uh, you know, with, with, there should be in every school somebody who is constantly progressing. This idea that teachers get a degree and now they have all the books in their head is gone. The teachers should be constantly improving and discovering new things. And for children, it should be the love for learning. They come back and, you know, they have observed the plants. They come back and they, there is a discussion. What do you understand about plant life? And slowly they begin to they should reach a point where they feel that plants are as conscious. Only the consciousness is unexpressed in them. What is the difference after all between, uh, you know, a, a grain of dust and man? Put this grain of dust on the feet of um, a deity in India, as they say, or make an image of Durga. Durga Puja going on now. Pick up this clay. Even, you know, this clay is got from nine different places. Uh, and you make an image that clay becomes a goddess greater than human being. What a beautiful symbol it is. So this is the potential of the clay. Let them understand that a grain of dust has potential to become a great god, a goddess, depending on how you use it, how you place it. And uh, you know, you can use it on the you know, face of the deity. It becomes tilak. So this is how we have to make... Uh, understand the secret divinity in everything, in the river, in the um, ocean, several times uh, in interaction with children, I ask them, so what did you learn today? And they start by, sir, uh, first class. I said, no, first class is <laughs> when you wake up. So who is the first teacher? So they are a little bit, you know, who is the first teacher? Well, first teacher is son. What does he teach you? He teaches that there is no darkness which can never end. First, most important fundamental lesson. All darkness is bound to end because night is a temporary passage and sun is the eternal truth. This is a self-evident fact from science we can learn. Now this is the other aspect that we have divided education into. This is physics, this is chemistry, this is biology. Whereas nature doesn't educate us like that. The sun is at once a cold icy mass Icy mass, probably we can say that, though it is, uh, you know, some water has been discovered under surface. But it's a cold, lifeless planet or exoplanet. We can say that. 
or we can equally say about the moon I am speaking that the moon is one that adorns the head of Shiva at once we see the symbol and the outer reality that is education where the sun is on one side an orange ball of fire but on the other side is the symbol of the divinity which looks all around and which is ablaze with that fire of truth and whose light and fire are two sides of one reality the light of knowledge and the strength to execute that's what the sun represents so this kind of an education which incorporates every experience in life when they go for a trek and see a river they can get education from a river that life has an origin and it's rushing towards the sea these are the only two things to be remembered where do i come from and where am i going so these are now a sense of universal learning the typical classroom construct is a mental construct a world which has gone 9 o'clock till 5 o'clock that's my working time 9 o'clock to 3 o'clock that's my study time or when i come back i do homework that's my study time rest is play time maximum education goes on when we play you see this is something very interesting in the ashram school when sports ground was started and children were engaged in games and even the elderly many of the sadhaks then people started raising question because to think of spiritual life is to sit and meditate so <laughs> they asked mother what is happening these children are you know and you are asking us also many of them are joining the playground they are playing football what is all this so they asked shurbindo and shurbindo gave beautiful replies he said first of all we have missed out on the importance of the body all creation higher consciousness everything the greater energy whatever we call it will manifest through matter if we neglect matter how are we going to have the base matter will break down that's one of the reasons one of the challenges of evolution a chimp is bigger even in his brain size possibly and an elephant even more but it cannot manifest thought because matter within it is not ready to express a greater truth so this we have to work at both the ends in education we can't miss out on the body but the body not just because i stay healthy and my bills for the doctor is reduced and i just enjoy life more that is the base but more important is the body should become a fit receptacle vessel a vehicle for the higher consciousness for the divine consciousness for truth for light for um, higher forces and energies of harmony a greater order of beauty of ananda of divine force to express itself through the brain through the heart through the body so there should be an emphasis on this so shurbindo gave this wonderful reason but he also said something very interesting that sports is one of the simple ways to build psychological qualities which are the foundation in yoga one of the lessons which people learn much later in the gita and that's why swami vikananda said very beautifully teach them football rather than you know analysis of the gita because people analyze the gita and end up remembering the shlokas but we learn it in while playing a game of football of course gita is a profound scripture but look at it how people can learn it very simply they learn that when we play sometimes we win sometimes we lose but always we progress so the game of life is not about winning and losing it's not about success and failure every failure takes us one step higher to a greater success every success can end up in degenerating us because we become too sure of ourselves and then you discover that success is often a uh, probably a curse and failure is often a blessing because failure propels us to become better to improve to progress and who knows one day bursting beyond the bounds of humanity so these are lessons we can learn simply by games and the importance to be given to games is so important 
then the whole inner field of nature which in these children gets neglected there is hardly a class you know people talk about value education and there are nice stories which very good courage and you know beauty and harmony which is wonderful good stories love and truth but most importantly the inner field how to observe my thoughts how can i change my thoughts can i change my thoughts now you know children don't understand how to change thoughts can thoughts be changed what are these thoughts just to sit for few minutes to observe the thoughts where do they come from as the kenupanishad raises this question kenupreshitam where do thoughts come from and where are they going this simple exercise of observing the thoughts where they come and go will uh, uh, make them understand that there is something called as nature and something called as self nature is not me i it's a robe that i wear but me is different who observes the thoughts simple thing feelings they live in a world of feelings children grow up entire education system and they don't know how to love they don't even know why they raise this question why should i love the person as if love has a why and they try to mentally answer it i must love because these advantages disadvantages then marriage and this and that this is all wrong love is a joy unto itself and the only reason to love is to love better to progress in the energy of love there can be no other reason to love it's an energy which is sent forth from the divine how beautifully mother takes it to what heights that when we love another human being it's not i love you it is the divine in me who loves the divine in you passing through two human vessels that's all and when we understand this simple truth this profound truth that then we begin to open to a greater and greater possibility of love a diviner possibility of love look how the divine pours himself on whole creation we can learn from flowers how they love how they are equal a whole veda is there in the flowers in the sun in the river this whole earth there is a veda as shobindra says in savitri a veda knower of the unwritten book so that's what we have to learn teach them to open their eyes in our eyes go beyond the books beyond the frames of thought and look at this knowledge which is there within whole creation that's why the word veda veda is comes from vid which means the knowledge what knowledge secret knowledge you can't get it from books na yamatma na medana bahunashutein you cannot get it in classroom you cannot get it get it by hearing from somebody else how do i get it it is revealed so to open this faculty of revelation through which children can acquire knowledge for themselves it's a great and onerous task and this task is not only on parents or on teachers but on the whole of society it starts from conception but when children enter into this world how do we treat children as a social group i have seen in colonies and everywhere this my child this somebody else's child even in school this grouping starts rich man's child poor person's child so that way one thing good in ashram school is you can't do that kind of stuff so you know children have you know one purpose of uniform is this so that you don't uh, but a better thing than uniform is because uniform tends to make things again too uniform to allow for the variation of nature but there should be this whole conception should grow in them that well children when they come to the school they are no more rich man or poor man that was the idea of gurukul they belong now to this place that was the whole idea of even hostels we don't have that facility so they learn in this classroom even if teachers are very good they go back to the house and they have parents who are someone very special 
and they don't want their child to meet with that child and you know all kinds of walls divisions um, where do they learn compassion from they learn compassion in their dealing with society forgiveness kindness courage they learn when they deal with everybody around and if they see that people are lying deceiving then it's a it's they just pick it up very unfortunate children don't know how to lie we teach them and very young when they are very young we teach them already that original file is corrupted with the trojan uh, virus malware in fact it starts from beginning even before the child is conceived now the role of conception so much you know mother speaks about that you know the kind of thoughts that mother has feelings that the mom has father also but especially the mom so that means they must write from the conception right up to their growth they must grow in an atmosphere of love of beauty of harmony now in the house okay school one can still create outwardly an atmosphere but in house if they see quarrel they see disharmony they see constant conflict it's not healthy for children it's not good for their growth whatever we may teach them we are giving an atmosphere they'll get stifled you know put the best flower and throw all the pollution of the you know um, trucks and cars going by smoke what will happen to the flower it will begin to wilt simply because the atmosphere is not good so to create an atmosphere in the school of beauty harmony to create beauty and harmony in the home to create beauty and harmony in the society sometimes even in society you know people just plan things randomly and the whole thing doesn't look give the sense of beauty the sense of beauty is one of the best corrective to evil and ugliness just to have beauty in the environment so there are so many things but most of all this possibility that there is something beyond the human frame this where we began from that they must grow up with this idea that you know this idea of ikebana something which i really liked when i heard about it that a master makes nice arrangement then he leaves the scissor there slightly open so why because there could be somebody who may conceive a better arrangement so another master we don't know who he may come and make just a little clipping here and make it look even more beautiful so this idea of endless progression and perfection should be there and it should replace ambition ambition is a dead end people when you ask what's your ambition i want to have a lot of wealth what will you do after that well after that i'll see or i want to become a you know famous doctor or a big man or whatever it means big man i don't know big belly or uh, you know whatever so i want to have a lot of you know big power post so what happens after that after that we don't know so we see people who are retired who are incapable either they continue working till the last day because they are so afraid of being with themselves people who are workaholics who work right morning till night only work they are as if afraid of confronting themselves that also shouldn't that's not a good thing work is important very important because it's a great purifier but this work should flow from who we are it should be like a play not a distraction not a you know something where we are running away from ourselves into work just like we run into parties of course running into work escaping into work is definitely better than escaping into parties to escape ourselves to escape from our boredom but work should be a purifier to help us express who we are inside who we are must flow into what we do so all these are aspects most importantly that there is no limit to human progress which means we need to get this that human beings are meant to consciously evolve
so that when they finish their education, whatever, you know, higher grades or whatever it is, and when they are ready to go out into the world, they understand that this is a beginning, not an end of my learning. And this learning now will be of a different kind, not another course, not another degree. But this is a real life learning where I'll come in contact with the world, the world energies. I'll come in contact with people. I'll come in contact with challenges of life in my personal life, in relationship, in everywhere. And now vast vistas of progress and growth are opening before me when this is over. So this is how education should go on from conception right till the point of death. This idea that one is old and now you know it's time to die is one of the most foolish ideas which should be thrown far, far away. Even at the point of death one can learn from somebody who is dying and somebody, you know, let me close this with this beautiful little story about death, how education we start from conception right from death. Sometimes when I see people who are in terminally ill, I tell them to like imagine what your life should be in time to come. And it's a very good occupation because they are looking forward, not looking backward. They conceive what they would like to be reborn as. It's a beautiful thing to you know, look at. Now, uh, of course, it's done very sensitively, but most people respond very well. So we have the story of Ravana who is on, on his deathbed. And uh, Lord Rama tells uh, Lakshmana that please go and uh, ask him. Ask him what? He has something which he uh, can give you. What can he give me? Oh, he has managed his people very well. He made sure that they all lived in luxury with, you know, uh, uh, golden houses, everybody. Go and ask him. He knows about Raj Dharma. Speak to him. Now, this story is commonly interpreted as that, you know, then he speaks about his Raj Dharma and talks about it. But there is another side of the story. Lord Rama, in his grace, compassion, wants Ravana to take a look at his life. And this is a wonderful way to learn something. He doesn't want him to lose that moment. So when Ravana starts speaking about how he has looked after his subject, he also notices where he made blunders, errors, how he could have made things better, how things could be done in a beautiful way. Same thing we see when Bhishma is on the bed of arrows and Sri Krishna, he, so subtle it is. He tells, uh, you know, Arjuna, go and learn from him. Now that's when it's a moment of reckoning for Bhishma that well, this boy has come to learn from me and he holds me in such a high esteem but where did my holding tightly to my pratigya led a whole civilization to? And even as he is teaching, he is learning. So this last thought is that we must understand as teachers, parents, educators in general, we are all educators but we must understand we are also learners. So the ability to learn even from the babble of a child, to learn from the blossoming of a flower, it's such an aha feeling. Sometimes I get such an aha when a child says something, I said, oh wow, this is so wonderful. Or someone. So this, when then can it come when we are always filled with the wonder of a child? We lose this childhood as we grow up. We are adults. So the wonder is lost. Adults are known. They are mature people. They know about everything. So keep a little child inside us who is full of wonder. Who knows nothing but wants to know everything. Keep the youthful energies inside. A youth who is striving for the impossible. For the young person, nothing should be impossible. And the old who is carrying his wisdom but looking for ways and means by which he can bring his wisdom back to life and give it back to earth. So all these three are not three different stages of life. They must be there in each one of us simultaneously. Even as we grow into 
so what is called as old age uh, not a good term but okay <laughs> as we grow past 60 we must know that well now is the time when i can start learning this is the child i have done my quota of mistakes now you know i can learn <laughs> 80 well i have learned a little bit there is lot more to learn learn from grandchildren this idea that i have learned i have to give knowledge now you know i am a wise old man it should go away and when i am 80 one of the remarkable things about the mother which i feel i mean many remarkable things but look at the at 91 she has started a universal township with an ideal which is unimaginable orwell 1968 when the mother is celebrating her um, 90 90th birthday that time orwell is launched who at 90 would like to enter into a project because for her it's not just a project involving some people whom she will uh, direct and guide she has to pour her energies into them govern them inwardly outwardly money everything and she undertakes a project why because it's good for humanity that's all she is implanting a seed upon earth so this let's keep that wonder of a child and the youthful energies moving toward the future and of course the sage like um, wisdom which we gather through real life experiences and finally let's get out of this too much of boy girl thing which these children are coming out i should have mentioned it before but uh, since you know sunday i remember it's important to understand this is happening spontaneously so children nowadays live in that the only relationship that they value is basically friendship and of course they are learning to love all other frames are getting broken so love is of course the highest energy finally with which we can stop they must learn to love love has been crushed in all this rational education all left side analysis quick computer systems but they have lost on love and i think if we can awaken a seed of true love within them the need for true love and true love which is about giving oneself then we would have done much more than we could you know probably expected of us because ultimately whatever we may say savitri three lines man is a dynamo for god's work nature does most for him god the high rest only his soul's consent is his own so the role of parents educators is to teach him how to consult his own soul and find the counsel from there rest will follow rest will be managed so let me close with few lines from you know shobindo savitri for the new age children he has uh, foreseen and they are marvelous lines what these children would be uh, who are going to come in the future so one of my favorite lines and with that we can close okay this from shobindo savitri some of us who may not know it's the longest epic in english language uh, nearly 24000 lines and uh, as 12 books this is book 3 canto 4 a giant dance of shiva tore the past which we know now there was a thunder as of worlds that fall earth was overrun with fire and the roar of death which we spoke about in the first half of the previous century but what he sees through that night something else is coming and that is wonderful i saw the omnipotence flaming pioneers over the heavenly verge which turns towards life come crowding down the amber stairs of birth 
forerunners of a divine multitude, out of the paths of the morning star they came into the little room of mortal life. I saw them cross the twilight of an age. We are seeing an age of transition. That's what he is referring to. Uh, the old world is dying and the new world is born. Not will be born, but is born. These sun-eyed children of a marvelous dawn, the great creators with wide brows of calm, the massive barrier breakers of the world and wrestlers with destiny in her lists of will, the f- laborers in the quarries of the gods, the messengers of the incommunicable, the architects of immortality. Into the fallen human sphere they came, faces that wore the immortals' glory still, voices that communed still with the thoughts of God, bodies made beautiful by the Spirit's light, carrying the magic word, the mystic fire, carrying the Dionysian cup of joy, approaching eyes of a diviner man, lips chanting an unknown anthem of the soul, feet echoing in the corridors of time, high priests of wisdom, sweetness, might and bliss, opposites coming together, discoverers of beauty's sunlit ways and swimmers of love's laughing fiery floods and dancers within rapture's golden doors. Their tread one day shall change the suffering earth and justify the light on nature's face. So we are witnessing the birth of a new world, new species or subspecies if you like it. Earth is going through a massive shift a new creation which is shaping now in the human body as a catalyst, just as man was born in a body which was half ape and half human, but progressed to that. So we also have now a superhumanity of tomorrow being born within the human frame, but it will end up creating a new humanity, uh, new beings, and it will fulfill the purpose for which creation has been made, a divine life, in a divine body. Namaste. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Saab. Thank you, Alokji. Thank you very, very much for your authentic and experienced and deep within from the heart uh, talk. We really liked it. Now we shall move on to question and answer session, depending on how much time we have. Uh, uh, Dr. Saab, how much time do you have? We have about half an hour. It's fine. I mean, or 15-20 minutes as I mean depends on the questions yes okay so we'll first uh, go to the questions that are here as uh, comments yes so some uh, Rahul Bisumke a participant uh, from Nepal he has asked uh, how do you define consciousness okay so how to define consciousness it's a whole <laughs> workshop but uh, let me start from where we are and i am glad about the question so what is consciousness we normally use it in the common parlance by defining it as the ability or the power with which we become aware so that's how we say that i am conscious of something so we as human beings have a certain kind of consciousness or a power with which we become aware and when we become aware there is also associated with consciousness the will to execute that two go together if we are not aware we don't execute so we can only execute by the consciousness with which we become aware so consciousness is a dual functioning or capacity which means the power to become aware knowledge and the power to execute will 
So consciousness implies both. But now, as human beings, we are aware of consciousness in a certain kind of modality of functioning. And we have a belief which, uh, you know, we, because we live in, within this frame, we think that mental consciousness which we embody is the only mode of functioning of consciousness. But if you look at animals, they also have a certain kind of knowledge which is instinctive knowledge and a certain kind of will and action which is instinctive action. So one thing we discovered that, well, we are not the only guys who are conscious, there are animals. If we go below to plants, we will see that plants are also conscious in their own way. They know, you know, that they have to move towards the light. Instinctively they know. And some of the plants, the way they act and function, it's amazing. As if they are completely aware of the dangers, what they should do and not do. They have all the knowledge. This is what is meant by Veda. That, you know, it's the knowledge inbuilt within each atom of creation. And then we go further down, we discover even atoms. They don't have consciousness the way we have. But they also know what should be there in their outer orbit. And you know, that's what we call as laws that govern the atomic uh, movement and structure. So, consciousness is a fundamental um, power which is inherent in creation. And even if you destroy the form, consciousness like energy is indestructible. It can change. It can shift from one to another. Now, shifting example is that, well, in the morning we all wake up and we are in one state of consciousness. But in the afternoon we may be completely different state of consciousness. And we identify with it and let's say in the morning we are full of joy and somebody meets us and says, oh, you look so happy. Yes, I am so happy. Afternoon we are a little grumpy and tired you are so tired. Yes, I am so tired. In the evening, somebody is very angry. Oh, you are so angry. Yes, I am angry. Now look at it. The eye is identifying with anger, with joy, with tiredness and so on. So basically, there is one consciousness but on many planes, many domains, many dimensions. This we discover even as human beings. Now, is human formula the last? This is where we discover that in mystic and yogic lore, they discover went climbing through the ladder of consciousness. What is the highest that human beings are capable of? The highest state of inner peace, inner harmony, inner bliss. And they discovered that beyond the man, there are ranges of consciousness which we can access. It's not easy because human formula is like a magic circle nature has drawn around us. And how it guards the circle is very amazing. Simply by instilling doubt that it's not possible to go beyond. You know, it's all, almost like the animal who is in a circus, a lion. Have you ever wondered that there are nine lions and the ringmaster is with a you know, little uh, chabuk, he is managing them and they are being managed because they have been taught, trained, nature has put them in that state, that man is superior. What if suddenly lions woke up to this reality that we are lion and all these guys, they are scared of us. But they don't because this is something instinctive inside them. So human beings have this feeling, impression that we are the end, the ultimate. This idea that we are on top of the so-called food chain, the idea of food chain itself is a very erroneous one, but not going into that. But this idea that we are the top, which visibly we are, and therefore we stop growing. We don't realize that there is something much more beyond. So there are ranges of consciousness beyond the human mind, which can turn his mind into a sage, seer, and as Shurabindu says, reach a point where one can break free entirely from the mental domain, bring in a new force and a new consciousness and even transmute the human body. So form and consciousness have this dual play. The form conditions the consciousness, limits it as it were. You pick up a ocean water and put it in a small vessel, it's conditioned by the vessel. But... If you break the vessel, it's the same water. The water in the Ganges and the water in the bottle, the Ganges, they are the same water. If you 
spill over the bottle, the water is going to be the same. But we have to learn now that water in the bottle, now its origin is there in the Ganges. Not only the Ganges, there is the Gangotri, Gomukh from where it is coming. And beyond Gomukh, there is the Shiva's, you know, Jata. And beyond the Shiva's Jata, it is in the heart of Vishnu. It is in that feeling where Ganges originates. So when we trace upstream any state of consciousness, any, if we go upstream, refine it, purify it, take it to its utmost, we will reach the origin. And that origin is called divine. So there is the divine consciousness, which is the origin of consciousness, where the mystic would say it's perfect consciousness, perfect bliss, perfect love, perfect harmony, perfect knowledge, wisdom, perfect strength, and all woven together in a beautiful concord. Not as disorderly and disharmonious here. But there is no perfect form to embody it. But through a process of evolution, as we see in the story of the Dashavatar, nature is trying to build a form which can embody the perfect consciousness. And that time of transition has come now because in human being now the aspiration for a perfect consciousness is already there. Which means this, we, we are bound to embody higher and higher states of consciousness which will press upon our body and brain till one day because of this constant pressure, a new seeking a new body and a new brain will emerge out of the old. So this is in a very small nutshell about consciousness. It's a whole, uh, you know, it's a whole workshop, but this is just in short. It is the fundamental principle in the universe, the fundamental power, consciousness. All is woven by consciousness. Yes. Namaste. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Sam. Rahulji, we'll move from your question to the next question. Thank you, Anu Shah Jainji, for your question. She is asking, Dr. Saab, Sir, what will be a broad framework of learning that you shall lay down for this new generation? Okay. Thank you so much. What will be the broad framework of learning for the new generation? As I said, that, you know, I have some radical ideas. Let classrooms turn into... Uh, you know, let classrooms, walls open up and become one with entire nature, not just, uh, you know, uh, plant nature, animal nature, human nature, uh, their own nature. So students should become students of themselves. You know, there is a very beautiful word used in the Gita and Patanjali Yoga Sutra, Swadhyaya. So right now they are learning about everything except themselves. So they should be given a lot of time to study themselves. You know, places where they can retreat in silence. When we can have interaction with them about themselves, who they are, what they are. With not, no concept, fixed ideas in the mind. But slowly leading them towards their own self-discovery. Children should understand. It's not that they have to discover by the time they pass out of their school. But they should understand that there is a scope of endless self-discovery. And this discovery takes place through their contact with the world at the same time by going within. So merely information about how a thing operates is not enough. The why of things and how that learning translates, that understanding of the framework of nature translates into their own inner growth. As I said, river, sun, everything teaches us, flower teaches us. So this can be done only by, not all teachers may be ready, but in, within our framework, there should be always uh, those who are like guides, who are not traditionally teachers, but they are available for students. It may not be for every student, though it will be nice to have these interaction of these guides with maybe once a week in the classroom. But at least there are students in whom the urge of learning has become very conscious. And they can go to these guides and ask them those questions which they can't ask in the classroom because the framework doesn't provide it. 
how do how do they ask in a typical classroom that what determines the number of at you know electrons which will be there in the outer orbit of the atom what determines that it leaf will uh, reflect only green light and absorb the others there are questions which come when the answers have been given those questions the you know i use the word sesh prashna the the question beyond questions there should be somebody to whom they can ask and that's what i would uh, you know i believe incorporating and of course uh, emphasis on physical education because body has to be is the basis of everything which is sadly missing because of over emphasis on result and very importantly that children are unique to put them into slots of 99% 99.5% is a very old paradigm each child is unique you see this esops uh, fable that you know if a rat and tortoise run a race by strange freak accident tortoise wins because the rat you know try uh, sorry the rabbit tries to you know relax it's an impossible thing see this is not organically true but rather it should be well on the ground the rabbit runs and wins on the sea the tortoise runs and wins because to each his own world to his each his own capacity each child is unique but that cannot happen i suppose if you know education is sold with uh, uh you know 40 children per classroom it can't work out like that so there should be more teachers uh, and you know uh, there should be more open ended learning not closed into lot of answers it should be questions based on the questions and you are seeking you learn if you don't have questions you have interest in something else you go in that direction that's what free progress is meant to inculcate one may be interested in photography fine that's your field go there discover your own aptitude and temperament and now the world is becoming like that where this is possible earlier when it was too much into job bracket it wasn't possible but those who want to learn yes they have people whom they can go and ask things on their own and learn so it's a big change and shift so basically in one word we have to use the word uh, i would say universal learning they should understand that learning is not something which comes from teachers and classroom learning is from within us and it is our contact with an environment when we are not developed inside with not questions not many questions and our consciousness is not developed we learn very little but uh, when we have grown up far beyond our learning also the same experience is received very differently by a consciousness which is far advanced so this is what they must understand that this stress on uh, self learning self education growth in terms of consciousness through practical examples self observation how they can shift consciousness from one state to another plenty of examples which due to paucity of time i am not touching upon which can be taken up but the stress should be on that and finally most important on discovering something which is beyond the frame human frame of nature which is the psychic being so we identify ourselves with as i said with all our uh, outer things in the environment in which we are born but there is something which is beyond the environment when we speak about rebirth in india what does it mean we have assumed many bodies many personalities so there is something which assumes these bodies and personalities which is not bound or tied with them well this is my pedestal but not my last reality and also beyond the human mind there are things beyond reckoning to open them towards those higher and greater and wider vaster realities is the task of an educator and all these things psychic and spiritual education uh, education of mind our refinement of our vital which is sadly missing Uh, you know from very crude towards through a sense of beauty through a sense of the real joy of life uh, they have forgotten how to be happy 
to bring out the love which is inside the heart is completely stifled and to make the base of the body stronger all these things are part of the vast landscape of education all right thank you thank you we have we have number of questions so we may not be able to address all the questions but we'll try to move uh, quite fast uh, the next question is about concentration uh, bhim can you can you go bhim south ji from kathmandu he is asking could uh, concentration is necessary for consciousness but people have problem to be concentrated could you say some techniques of concentration yes so concentration actually is natural to person every human being but the problem is that we may give them a subject in which they are not interested in so start with whatever they are interested in a child is interested in play teach him how to be concentrated in play very conscious and concentrated he is playing football fine he must become good footballer he shouldn't miss a single ball such should be his concentration so now you know there are several game of course exercises you know mikado and all these things but the natural way to do it is that whatever they are engaged in work everybody does some work to fold a sheet do it with all awareness climbing stairs so everything in life can become a way to concentrate again this idea of cutting off from real life teaching them sit now close your eyes and concentrate well a time comes when they would feel the need to go within and concentrate but first they must learn the capacity to gather all the threads of life which are scattered you can't play football very well if your mind is wandering into uh, you know my friend and somebody else in the stands and things like you can't even on result if if there is focus on uh, will we win or lose you can't play it well but one plays well when one is fully focused one becomes the play and takes the joy of the play so concentration especially for children who are very restless comes very easily through games because restless means the vital now teach them lot of physical education and workout by which they can learn then also in work they should learn to concentrate on the work at hand then a time will come or read something let them read maybe a paragraph with full attention then when they are ready with all this the faculty is developed then they can apply it in any field including going within we do the other way round we start teaching children you know who are 8 year 9 year old <laughs> close your eyes and concentrate what do they do their mind wanders their feet are restless their hands are twitching there are exceptions but generally speaking they are waiting or sometimes they are happy somebody told me that you know our children can concentrate for half an hour i said sure they are either sleeping or you know they are happy that at least we won't have a proper class today so now this <laughs> first teach them what is concentration through natural organic things in life education should be connected with life now when children reach a point some will reach a point where they want to concentrate and go within then it's about you know picking up an object inside or a state of consciousness on peace on idea or an image like fire or a deity the divine mother or you know whatever deity christ krishna whatever way one conceives or on a word a string of mantras that is a specialized activity of concentration it's not synonymous with concentration concentration literally means the ability to gather the strings of consciousness and focus on one point you know there was a movie called utsav so it's a very interesting movie it's a movie about you know uh, i mean it's it's a regular movie but little good but it starts with a very interesting uh, 
सीन इन द सीन दिस दिस शो इन एंशंट टाइम्स मेडिवल टाइम्स एंड टू थीव्स आर देव एंटर्ड ए हाउस ब्रोकन इन टू द हाउस बाई ब्रेकिंग द वॉल एंड वेन दे आर कमिंग आउट सो नाउ देव ऑल द वेल्थ एंड दे वॉन्ट टू रन अवे सो नाउ द जूनियर थीव वॉन्ट्स टू रन द मास्टर इज नो नो मास्टर वेल आई होप आई एम नॉट टीचिंग हाउ टू स्टील वेल but i am just about it hit very you know it's a very beautiful uh, film on this so the master said no no i can't go i must make this little gap that i have made in the wall perfect he said why do you want to do this he said you know it's about my name what will people think what kind of a foolish thief he was so even as a thief he wants to you know excel i mean in ashram context i remember somebody came and had lost a key and he went to a key making department gave the suitcase and uh, he made a key and uh, he said the person who had lost the key said okay okay good thank you he said no no wait i am going to make a duplicate so he said no i don't need a duplicate and the key maker made uh, said what if you lose this one so i have to make it because this is my job to make things very beautiful and perfect in one of the aphorism shrabindu says very beautifully it is better to be a good shoemaker than an incompetent king so this joy of doing their work to strive towards perfection in anything itself leads to the development of a faculty of concentration that's why when we are little children our teachers teach us how to write cursive well calligraphy is one of the best ways to practice concentration and as a child this what was taught the idea it was not a punishment it's like we learn to focus our energies on simply making a letter beautifully but it is taught the wrong way here you have made a mistake and do it 10 times it should not be like a mistake it should be more positively reinforced with the joy of learning so this just a, as i said very brief prelude Uh, all of these are you know very good subjects for a whole <laughs> discussion yes thank you calligraphy is the a way of uh, developing concentration so that's uh, that's one of the idea behind how we can improve our concentration that's what yes. uh, dr saab says we have a comment from derry hanum he is uh, also a keynote speaker at idec and uh, an author he says that my first idec in asia thanks for the beautiful talk which has taken me beyond an eurocentric assumptions and reopened the question where does love come from thank you sir thank you i am grateful for these wonderful words of wisdom and thank you for them yes so maybe one last question we can take yes so uh, i'm glad you mentioned it see they, as i said a new world is born but the old world is dying i was you know uh, careful about choosing my words so i didn't say the old world is dead <laughs> it's it, or maybe the this it's gasping so you know what happens when when uh, i mean i have encounters with death so when people are you know during the time of death there are two kinds of death one is a swift departure the other is when they are gasping for a long time now this gasping is you're holding on to the old life so what we are seeing this extreme stress upon you know marks and grades is the spasm of the last dying world don't worry about it this is not going to go further beyond a point the children are changing they will change it so our stress should be in our education regardless of what people or you know the old world expects of us those of us who are born with a new impulsion 
we should bring in this new creative impulsion in life and that's what is given to us see beyond this uh, systems when they will change it's a very huge task and maybe there are people who belong to the old world and believe in it there are plenty still but there are new kind of children who are coming up and our focus should be on them so i'll give you an example you know when in i used to teach in i still teach in this way but there used to be teaching proper you know psychology and psychiatry with the um, md students and others and you know there is a typical framework of freudian psychology and all these things and uh, i was supposed to be expected to you know teach those things so i said look here you give me any framework and i'll go beyond it because you know you can't limit a teacher to the framework in which is given and so i would invariably do that which led to a aha feeling in children and this is how we can use every experience including the grades ask them that do you think this is your reality do you think this represents who you are and this itself can become a means of learning rest of course school systems governments you know they are the last to change let me tell you very frankly whatever regardless of whichever place let's not put our hope there our hope is in the children who embody a new aspiration for tomorrow and even if there are few of them five out of 1000 or one out of 100 teachers job is of of a new consciousness to largely focus on that and those who want to belong to the old world fine there is the whole sort of other things are there so stay focused on the new things which are uh, you know striving to take birth okay so i think we can probably you know stop here and ha uh, Huh. We have one more. Maybe if you have just a minute, we have last okay. question. Sure, here. sure, sure, sure. Please. Yeah, we have a question uh, from Geeta Lakshmi Ganjam. She is okay. asking asking you how to change mindset of parents. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for this question. How to change mindset of parents? I would only say don't try it. <laughs> But <laughs> since you are insisting, see one of the ways I have tried. in in a school which was brought, you know along the lines of mother and shurbindo so what we used to do is there were two three things practical things which we used to do one was short little um, you know pamphlets of which relate to child you know like things they have never thought about their child and one little passage don't give them books they will never read it but maybe one pamphlet once a month small packages and just pass it on to them and maybe one day one of them will pick up this is one way second is a dual assessment that children are you know assessed by teachers but parents should assess but in a very different way so we had made a report card of you know is your child generous is your child courageous does he have gratitude so it made the parents wonder oh this is a new way of you know we never looked at this side of my child so this is the second way third is which is very radical and i don't know you know uh how much one can implement but i used to ask children to grade their understand their teachers what is not grade them because that will bring in the sense you know uh, unnecessary competition jealousy but which are the teachers you feel is best and why and what are the things you would want to change in your parents and why now you know this becomes a child centric education so and this was shared with the parent that look you know maybe you know a child would write my parents fight with each other now parents begin to wonder that oh there are things i need to change my child feels it and i have never looked at it so a child centric education more and more and finally just as we have these conferences for teachers 
they should be also for parents so you know once in a while we have parent teacher meeting but it is completely centered around marks and performance and the behavior of the child there should be parent teacher meeting uh, wherein parents uh, you know there is a it's a beautiful occasion to come together and understand what a child is about many of them are full of fear and carrying conventional ideas that you know if my child doesn't get so many marks you know he is doomed this must go and is the task of the educators instead we start playing into their hands oh yes you know your child doesn't study he doesn't do well now we have to we have a role to play in talking to the parents and making them understand and conscious that's what a teacher is about that look it's not just about a child bringing so many marks or earning so much out of wealth but also a child who is able to lead a life which is inwardly stable he is able to experience the spontaneous joy of living he is able to most importantly unleash the energies of love which is ultimately going to help him you know emotional education which is missing i i mean it's a whole subject spiritual education spiritual quotient which is completely missing so there are dimensions of growth which if they are not there in human beings then they are going to remain half humanity and half animality you see after all uh, let me close with this idea see what was the in ancient uh, thought you will see about devas and asuras indian thought so who was an asura asura was a brilliant intellectual but with a cold heart Now imagine you know do we want our children to become that he was devouring he was full of greed crude passions cold heart but brilliant intellectual whereas on the other hand the deva type also were intelligent but also the love in the heart should blossom the passions must be most refined so we should give explain to the parents through these interactions and meetings so that they become little more educated though i must say it is a very nutty task because parents are formed creatures with children it's easier because they you know they are plastic malleable they have come with they have a spontaneous trust in teachers but parents are little crusted over but still effort should be made all right so thank you thank you thank you thank some of your uh, instructions but still i need to do a lot and i will definitely take your suggestions and make parents understand better their own children thank you so much and most welcome to write in case there are any more questions please feel free to write thank you thank you thank you so much